Welcome to Know Thy Trauma, a podcast by Wellspring Solutions Counseling Services. We are a group of therapists located in a small town in eastern Pennsylvania dedicated to helping people heal the loss and trauma that is part of the human experience. The content in today's episode can be potentially triggering, so please use discretion as you listen. If you find yourself triggered, we encourage you to pause it, engage in something that soothes you, and return when you're ready. And as always, we encourage you to seek out your own therapy if needed. Hi, welcome to Know Thy Trauma, our podcast series that we've been working on and understanding our trauma and how it impacts us. Today we're going to do Know Thy Inner Child, which follows up from our last podcast in which we talked about Know Thy Agreements. Yes. Can you summarize what we kind of talked about last time? So we were kind of defining exactly what is an agreement, where does it come from, and then at the tail end we started digging in a little bit about um, how agreements are often made in childhood. Yes. And how those agreements that we made in childhood follow us out until we break them. A lot of times we're playing them out in childhood so or in our adulthood so we thought it might be a good idea to dig into a little bit about how do we address the inner child who had originally come to make those agreements yeah and we talked about in that podcast the different roles that sometimes happen within the home Mm -hmm. whether you're the scapegoat or the mascot or the enabler or the family hero Mm -hmm. we just talked we talked about those And we just thought each of those individuals take those traumatic experiences and really live out the ongoing messages that created that child, even into their adulthood. You know, um, I just had a conversation with a client last night and they said, yeah, I still think that even today. And I'm like, oh, so sad Mm -hmm. that we are still living out our childhood beliefs. And as you know, when we've been talking about trauma, we, we have talked about is how when traumatic experiences happen, our brain shifts to um, take in that event for our child brain, which doesn't have analytical thought. No. So when it happens in our childhood, our brain has to like shift to be able to take in that painful experience and process it and protect ourselves mm-hmm. because children don't have analytical skills. No. So what we want to talk about is how do we take care of that inner child? Because we all have experiences that we can vividly remember. Mm-hmm. And I can I, ha- I just have one that's when I was like three. I have vivid trauma memories from like three, maybe two. And it's so interesting to see that that just continues to be a thread that follows through mm-hmm. our lives. Absolutely. Um, so we're going to just talk today about how to take care of that younger part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about inner child work, um, you know, when did we first experience that trauma? How old were we when we first experienced that original traumatic event? And a lot of times, like you were saying, our brain is trying to comprehend and find reason to it. But really what it does is it puts a timestamp on it. So we can oftentimes find ourselves reacting into in a current event as we would have or wished we could have as a child when 
something similarly traumatic happens. So we experience a trigger in the present day and our inner child shows up. So a lot of times the way that I describe it to clients is like kind of like those Russian stacking dolls. We are a series of experiences. We're not just start and stop. We are a collection of experiences. So with that, I kind of use another analogy too of like, it's like your current age and your current self is driving a bus and all of your past experiences are passengers. That's good. So when you come up to a traumatic event currently or something reminds you of that, the wounded time-stamped version of yourself comes to the front of the bus and starts driving. So then, say for example, you had um, a message from when you were a kid, you have a memory of doing the dishes and your mom or dad comes in and says, "What what the heck are you doing? Like, you're doing this so bad. Like, can't you even wash dishes right? Like, what's wrong with mm-hmm. you? Like, can't you see everything that you missed? That gets time-stamped, right? So say we were six years old when that happened. Does a six-year-old say, like, wow, mom or dad must be having, like, a bad day? That was probably more about them than it was about me. No, we internalize that and say there's something wrong with me. I'm faulty. I'm wrong. I'm bad. So say, for example, then... We're in our adulthood and our partner comes in and says, hey, man, you missed a spot on this dish. (laughs) We can, even though that wasn't, you know, to attack us, we can go right back and that six-year-old comes to the front of the bus and, you know, wants to fight and attack the way that, you know, because a six-year-old in a grown adult's body has all the words and resources that an adult has, not a six-year-old has. So Yeah, they're not good drivers. No. (laughs) So it's going to get messy, right? It's going to get really messy. So who originally coined the term inner child just as a, just to give people a little bit more education on it. um, This is a theory that goes back to Carl Jung and the way that he defined the inner child is um, inner child archetype is akin to an unconscious subpersonality that consists of when a person learned and experienced in the earliest years of their life. This inner child personality is subordinate to the conscious mind yet influences the mind. This influence manifests negatively if the inner child is traumatized, wounded, or anxious. So again, a lot of times the inner child isn't at the forefront of the mind making all of the choices, but it's something that gets triggered. And when they are triggered, they show up to the forefront, driving the bus, making the choices, a lot of times kind of make a mess. Yeah. And, and so sometimes even when we have clients, I'll say, how old do you feel mm-hmm. when that's happening yeah. as, a help, as a way to help them begin to identify? Yes. Well, what was going on at that phase of your life so that we can begin to identify, okay, inner child is taking position here and we need to be able to identify it and deal with the traumatic memory so that, that we have better skills in taking care of when that memory surfaces again, mm-hmm. when they come to the front of the bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Young was well beyond his time. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because this was like the 18, <laughs> late 18, early 1900s. Yeah. And so it's so important for, and, and so I think sometimes people get a little like, woohoo, I'm a little scared. Yeah. This absolutely. feels weird. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about when we introduce this idea? Mm-hmm. But if we can begin to say, 
this is how old you were when this trauma occurred. So therefore, when it gets triggered, when that little bruise gets triggered, Mm -hmm. you suddenly have this event where you are six and we need to deal with that and be okay with that. Absolutely. That's a big part of what we want to talk about is how do we take care of it? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we need to understand it because it will pop up and it will pop up. Um, oftentimes when somebody else triggers it by saying something similar, mm-hmm. but it could just pop up during a phase when your child is a certain oh, age, yeah, when point. your adult, when some, when your, when your parent is going through something and you're, a, and they are a certain age triggering you mm-hmm. when they were 35 and now I'm 35, you know, that gets, that comes up a lot. And so that's why we need to understand the origin of the trauma, um, which is why we're doing this podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, and we need to be able to identify the messages and agreements that happened mm-hmm. for that child. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's kind of talk about, I think we've talked about that in our last podcast, but let's kind of review what kind of messages could someone operate in as a result of trauma. I'm thinking, going back to what you were saying about the family roles of, say, we were the scapegoat in our family. So the scapegoat is the one who gets blamed for everything all of the time. So maybe in early childhood, we got messages of, we can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. Um, There Mm -hmm. is something faulty with us. Um, If something goes wrong or bad, it's my fault. If things are going too good, it's just a matter of time until I mess things up. Um, So taking a lot of blame for anything that could go wrong or assuming fault yeah and it could be just messages that is communicated by your parents trauma oh yeah you know like if your parents struggled with i I remember my mom saying i can't do math i'm a girl and i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) okay but but the point of that being her trauma could have influenced me if I didn't identify that yes. in my understanding of being able to do math. Yeah. So I, I can't do math. I must not be able to do math either because I'm a girl too. Right. Exactly. Um, so, so many different messages that mm-hmm. we can have. And it's good to begin to identify them um, so that we can learn to regulate. What does the six-year-old need um, at that moment? Mm-hmm. And I often say to people, the, when, you're, when your child self is most stirred up, the primary things you need are comfort, affirmation, and validation. Absolutely. There's not like, that child doesn't need alone time. <laughs> that child doesn't need um, to go do an adventure. They often just need a lot of comfort, validation, and affirmation. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can't get other people to do that for us. No, absolutely not. Sometimes we can, but a lot of times this is our own work that we need to do. Right, exactly. And I'm even thinking just those things that you said when we think about a traumatic event. What what makes it traumatic for us versus somebody else who may have gone through it and may not have identified it as trauma and it really when I'm thinking about those three things that you listed it's the lack of those things mm-hmm. if somebody's not there validating our experiences or comforting us and trying to like help us 
reason and understand these things and not find personal fault or blame with it. We need what our inner child was neglected at that point in time. What what was my inner child denied in those moments? And a lot of times it is validation and comfort. Yeah. And it it's just it's just so amazing. And guess what, everyone? You all have inner children. Everybody does. <laughs> and and we just and we can learn to regulate that. And mm-hmm. that's so a lot of it is just even being able, you know, I'm a spiritual person, so sometimes mm-hmm. I will say, God, I need comfort right now. Yeah. God, I need affirmation right now. God, I need validation right mm-hmm. now. And I'm more aware of what I need, so then when someone tries to give it to me, I will take it in. That doesn't mean that I wasn't, um, that they weren't providing that before, but because I'm aware of the need of my child, I will be able to take it in. It's interesting that you say that because depending on the messages, we may be continuing to, there's so much shame that can be associated with it just because there's a lot of shame that lives in trauma Yeah, that the message and the agreement that we came into could say, you're not even deserving of those things. Mm. So how do we move into a place where we can be accepting of these um, comforts, whether it's from ourselves or from God or higher power or somebody else outside? How do we come to accept those things and take them in yeah I mean and I think that's a lot of the therapeutic process it's Mm. just having someone sit with you and validate your Mm -hmm. stories your traumas and sometimes they validate things well beyond you actually having awareness of Mm -hmm. so therapy is just so important for naming the agreements, naming the traumas, and and receiving validation and and affirmation from another person is just so powerful in the process of of getting to the place of receiving it. Yeah. Because I have that safe person who does it for me, and I can then allow that to maybe spread out to other mm-hmm. safe people. And guess mm-hmm. the world is not all safe. No. There's a lot of unsafe people out there yes. who are not able to give comfort, validation, and affirmation. Yeah. I'm, I'm even thinking some of the agreements and how our inner child can seek out comfort if we, we seek out what feels familiar, right? Mm. So if it feels familiar to be invalidated and it feels familiar to be with an unsafe person, we can be reinforcing the trauma and reinforcing the agreements um, by continuing to go to unsafe people with the expectation that they're going to help us heal. That's true. That is so true. And, 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 and that's an, that's an ongoing problem for when the child's in charge. Oh yeah, absolutely. When the child is in charge of the bus, mm-hmm. it will drive to places that are not going to be beneficial for mm-hmm. the rest of the person. Yes. And that's because they learn to protect themselves mm-hmm. in certain ways. And so um, just being able to identify, whoa, right now I'm very triggered. I need to comfort myself. I need to, pro- you know, do my exor- my breathing exercises, get my vagus nerve back in control mm-hmm. of bringing peace to my um, entire body. So it's so important to understand how it impacts 
all aspects of our life, our work world, our, mm-hmm. our relationships with um, friendships, our relationships with um, our family. It's so important to understand those things. Yeah, there's really not a designated time or place that our inner child would show up and kind of show up whenever and wherever. So having that understanding of this is my inner child showing up, this is my trigger, and being just so aware of when we are triggered so that we can offer that emotional regulation. Because a lot of times when we're not aware of it, it can feel very out of control and powerless. Yeah. And a lot, sorry, go ahead. No, I was agreeing with you. Um, you know, when we're talking about trauma, so much of it is powerless feeling and those coping skills that we did to try to regain power is a lot of times that wounded inner child trying to reestablish safety for themselves. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, if the child is driving the bus, they may be taking you places that's not beneficial to the rest of the self. Right. And I think what people will sit in our office saying, okay, tell me how to fix this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that I can completely fix this. Um, but we can certainly learn coping mechanisms mm-hmm. to deal with it. And tell me when it will, will get stirred up. It's, it's, it's not like you can drive your car and say, I'm going to have a car accident today. Yeah, no. You're not going to be able to do that, particularly if the child is driving. Yeah. <laughs> You don't know when bad things are going to happen. You don't know when things are going to be triggered, except for with people we know always trigger us. Yes. Maybe it's family or individuals that we work with or whatever. And there we need to create good, strong boundaries to protect ourselves from these individuals, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. But we don't never, ever know when it's going to happen. I was thinking about that because, um, you know, I had one... Both of my births of my children were cesarean section. And it's very rare, but once in a while I'll sneeze or something and I still can feel that wound. Mm -hmm. And that's 20 some plus years later, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like I can do anything to control what happened. And I'm, but that same thing would be true with emotional things. Absolutely. So even though I can't predict when it might be, oftentimes we can't predict, sometimes we can, but again, we know either way, we can identify the trigger, we can identify how it made us feel, and we know what to do to address it and to offer some comfort and healing to it. Absolutely. Um, and so I think um, what we need to understand is, is how does that impact our relationships? Um, with our spouse, with our friends, um, to be able to, uh, to able to identify, I'm sorry that I did that. I was mm. triggered. That mm-hmm. was a big childhood wound. You didn't know that. You just were an innocent party in this situation. Mm-hmm. To be able to own what is ours. Um, the child doesn't want to do that. They want to no. blame the other person. Yeah, absolutely. As opposed to owning that vulnerable space, which is not a skill that children have. Mm-mm. That's the adult that has to sometimes own it for the child. Mm-hmm. And not, so it, not only is the adult part of self protecting that inner child by making good decisions on who much, how much time we spend with this person, when, how, wherever, but also being that vulnerable person and and owning it 
for the inner child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. And then I just feel like we see that acting out if we just start watching, you know, real life people on TV. <laughs> You can you can real lives of Hollywood wives or whatever. I don't know what I don't watch any of those stories. But <laughs> you can see the trigger. But bam. Yes. You can watch it happen and you see the shift in this person who's capable and then suddenly not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you can even like if you're really watching closely, you can even identify the trigger and name the wound of, yes, of that person. That's so true. Oh, rejection is your wound jealousy is your wound feeling unworthy or unpicked or you know second to last or you know all of these things yes yes that is your trigger and now your inner child is here with all of your adult resources (laughs) throwing a tantrum and a lot of times that's what it looks like is um our adult self can when we're triggered tantrum a little bit Oh, yes. And we don't, and sometimes, so just being able to be okay with that is huge. And not shame it because, mm. again, the shame is going to, one, pull us away from the accountability aspect of it, and we need to own it. Right. So we need to, we, we can't name it without owning it. Mm-hmm. So we have to do all of those things. Um I think um, there was something that you said that I wanted to go back to, which was the idea that a huge part of of monitoring, taking care of that inner child is having compassion for self mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and extending compassion to self, which we talked about can sometimes happen as a result of therapy and we see somebody else have compassion for mm-hmm. somebody else, for ourselves, when in fact our parents or our teachers said just buck it up suck it down move Mm -hmm. on right and so when we have somebody else say no 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 that's completely normal and that's okay Mm -hmm. we can start to think outside of the box right and so those roles that we play with our family creates a lot of boxes that we have to break Mm -hmm. to be able to receive that compassion to take it in and to extend compassion to self. I think that has a lot to do with answering some of those questions that, like you said, I can't tell you how many times I've heard it. Well, well, what do I do to fix it? How do I fix this? How does this go away? When, when will it get better? When will it stop? Right. And a lot of it does come down to compassion for self. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be really hard when we've been denied compassion and we've been denied um, being validated and care and comfort. And sometimes I find that the people who are the most gracious towards others are the most harsh on themselves. So it's true. Well, they've learned to only, they've learned to take care of other people. Exactly. And sometimes we start there of like, do you have children? Would you talk to your child that way? If your six-year-old was feeling sad and rejected, would you shame them and tell them to be quiet and tell them, you know, that's not worth talking about? No, we would validate them. So how would you talk to a friend? How would you talk to somebody that you love? How would you talk to your own child and offering yourself that same narrative? And, Absolutely. Um, you're going to have to say it more than once probably. 
And it's it's not going to happen on the first try. It's not going to happen on the first try. It's a, it's a, a long series of being able to take in and compassion for self and be okay with it. That's a healing process yeah. when we've grown up as the giver. Oh my gosh, yeah. It takes a while. And there's a lot of great videos on YouTube. There's a lot of good books where they talk about reparenting yourself. Mm-hmm. So, yes. That phrase can feel confusing as much as it is straightforward. (laughs) Explain. (laughs) So reparenting, we kind of touched on it a little bit. So when we're able to identify, okay, I'm triggered right now and I feel like I'm six years old. Maybe I have an implicit memory of it. Maybe mm-hmm. I, um, maybe I just feel it in my body. Maybe I have the actual memory of what had happened coming forward. Let me just say, what does my six-year-old self need to hear and feel that they were denied as a child? And it's that process of whatever our parent or caretaker had denied us in that moment, we offer that inner child. So we, in our adult healing and wisdom, offer comfort and we parent Mm -hmm. the child that's coming forward. Sure. And and so it's that narrative where you're like, you're sitting there, you're upset with yourself, Mm -hmm. you're upset with how you acted, and you're like, no, wait a second. Everybody makes mistakes, Mm -hmm. which your parent may or may not have said to you growing up. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You made a mistake. And you're able to do the talk of affirmation and comfort and validation that you did not receive. Yeah. Even when we're taking it back to the caretakers of, you know what, it's, I feel triggered because I set a boundary and I hurt somebody's feelings. And I remember when I was 10 and I hurt mom or dad's feelings by saying that I didn't want to do something. And now I feel responsible for this person's emotions. Maybe that narrative sounds like, Hey, that wasn't fair for you to have to take care of your parents' emotions to begin with. Like you have the right to set boundaries and feel comfortable. You don't always have to make yourself feel uncomfortable or make yourself feel small to make space for other people. You deserve the space too. Right. And so, you know, when somebody as therapists, we will like hear these phrases coming out of somebody's Mm -hmm. mouth and we're like, bing, 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 bing. (laughs) Right. We're identifying. That's a really big statement. Yes. (laughs) And when we, when we're doing that, we're actually bringing some healing to that attachment wound Mm -hmm. that, that, that person didn't even know existed, Mm -hmm. which we talked about. Know that attachment style. One of our other previous podcasts. Yes. Um, so, in our resources, we're going to have some book recommendations yeah, that we, we might suggest in our notes section. Anything mm-hmm. else that we want to say about healing the inner child? Definitely, it takes a lot of work. It mm-hmm. takes a lot of time. And one thing, too, is I always like to remind people, we're constantly being given opportunities to to learn from ourselves and it may take months or years worth of work to recognize when we're triggered in the in the moment it may be a lot of reflection at first right of whoa i really flew off the handle there what what made me do that what was going on oh i was triggered 
now that I recognize that I was triggered, I can think about how old I was and then I can go back and offer some repair to it. Yeah, sometimes I think people don't recognize what was triggering them until they actually look, they look, we have to look at the behavior first, which Mm -hmm. is that powerlessness, ambivalence, and contempt pack, Mm -hmm. which is a whole other podcast that we will eventually Mm do, (laughs) to be able to explain. Children didn't have the ability to figure out, ooh, that hurt. Yeah. They just did something to cope with the hurt. Yeah. And so lots of times those same ways that we dealt with hurtful things become adult behaviors that match our childhood behaviors. Yeah. And so following those behaviors is what we need to do. I think that's a key aspect too of the compassion that we need to have for self is it our child, our inner child didn't learn these coping skills out of any type of malicious intent to hurt anybody else it was simply to keep self safe and when they continue to follow us through our adulthood it can be that they end up affecting our relationships in negative ways um so again really just having that compassion for self of hey you know what i'm doing this because that's what i had originally learned to keep me safe mm-hmm. and it's not that i'm a bad or mean or malicious evil wicked person it's that I'm realizing now that I need to these coping skills that I learned these adaptive skills even these survival skills are no longer benefiting me in my current current self so I need to learn something new and I am learning something new and safe people will hear that and really validate they appreciate the vulnerability of Mm -hmm. that honest disclosure of why you're doing what you're doing yeah and that itself will also be part of your healing as well mm-hmm. so take care of your inner child yes and 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 read up do look at our resources because it's really an essential piece of breaking out of our behavior problem not within behavior problems but um our six-year-old driving the bus <laughs> <laughs> We're going to use that forever. Yes. (laughs) The six-year-old will no longer be allowed to drive the bus when we start figuring these things out. All right. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in more information, visit our website at wellspringssolutions.com, which is linked in our show notes, along with any resources used in today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to DM us on social media and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Original music featured in this episode is by Christopher Burkholder.